Welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. And welcome back to Health Matters. Thank you for joining us again this lovely, lovely day here on the West Coast. And if you're not right in the immediate area, I hope you're happy where you are. Today we have uh, two guests, uh, two very interesting guests, I should say. Our first guest will be um, Ben Brown, who's a naturopathic doctor who's written a wonderful book called The Digestive Health Solution. And uh, it's, it's the title has got a lot of promises in it, but it's a really remarkably good discussion of the kind of current thinking in what's called functional medicine in terms of how to work with and think about what, to, what we need to do to... Um, to make an improvement and, and actually do uh, some deep healing in terms of our digestive process. I've worked with many of what uh, Dr. Brown is, is writing about in this book, and I believe he's on the money in, in virtually everything that he's written. So he should be able to share a great deal with us. And also, uh, we're going to be talking about some of the, he, what he calls the nine common medical myths about digestive illness. And so we'll get a chance to visit with Dr. Brown in just a few minutes. And we'll be uh, doing that until we get a chance to visit with Marie Rose Fan Lee, who's written a book called Talking Story, One, One Woman's Quest to, to Preserve Ancient Healing and Spiritual Traditions. Um, for very old Health Matters listeners, you may remember the... Um, uh, we had a, a guest who wrote a book called The Fourth Uncle in the Mountain, who's, and her, the author's name escapes me this minute. But it's a, this woman is a Vietnamese uh, 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 immigrant uh, as a child, but uh, who came from a deep healing family tradition. And she's, she's written, uh, all. she's gone all over the world to look for and to uh, support and... and um, Explore and, and and come into t- in contact with some of the deep uh, ancient spiritual healing traditions, and she's got quite an interesting story. She's also have a has a DVD, so one woman's quest to preserve ancient spiritual and healing traditions. She'll be with us about three uh, thirty. So, um, but both will take questions, and for those of you who do have digestive questions, you might be get ready with your pen and pencil. So, when we do have a little bit of a little bit of time with Dr. Brown. You're more than welcome to give us a call, and I'll give you that call-in number at the time. So, <clears throat> again, we're, we're always supported by the Sonoma Valley Hospital and the uh, integrative medicine program there. But I wanted to bring up today, particularly because the, the hospital is this very day, March the 5th, Thursday at 5 p.m., at their 19312 Sonoma Highway uh, Physical Therapy Facility. They're offering a class in what they're calling the Shoulder Neck and Shoulder Pains Clinic. And uh, each clinic will begin with a one-hour presentation by the the really re- remarkable hotel uh, strike, ho- hotel hospital physical therapist Merrick Grabowski, 
who will explain the common reasons why we experience pain and discuss the range of treatment options. This will include simple things you can do on your own, such as learning how to better cope with stress, improve body mechanics, so you can exercise safely without injury, or deal effectively with mild, mild arthritis. The, the pre presentation will include a question and answer period. Immediately following the presentation, participants can obtain a free screening by a physical therapist who will help them to assess the cause of their pain and the identity of treatment options. So that's today, this very day, March the 5th, Thursday, 5 p.m., again, 19310, strike that, 312 Sonoma Highway. It's a good idea to give them a call, 707-933, strike that, 935, I'm stumbling here, 935-5345 to reserve a place. So that's still available to you today. And the next one is, <clears throat> excuse me, on March the 12th. This is the hip and the lower back pain clinic. Again, it's the same format. Uh, there'll be a discussion and uh, so on. So again, for more information, uh, this is Sonoma Valley Hospital. You can call them for reserving a space at 935-5345. And again, we thank Sonoma Valley Hospital for providing support for this program, Health Matters. So also happening <clears throat> this very day, I'm pleased to say that the Sonoma Shambhala Center is going to be presenting tonight uh, Larry Barnett, who's the the current communications director for Shambhala International and the former director of Sonoma Shambhala Center. Uh, he's going to be giving a presentation. This is the um, first Thursday open house on Dharma night at the Sonoma Shambhala Center. And he's going to be talking about <clears throat> what should be a natural symmetry of social and cultural forces is out of whack. We often feel it this in the speed, the greed, and the aggression of everyday life. In this talk, we will explore how this has happened and its antidote by bringing awareness to and understanding of the healthy interplay and balanced aspects of masculine and feminine principles. All are welcome. There's no charge. This should be a very interesting presentation for local uh, listeners who will remember Larry Barnett's, if they don't remember Larry Barnett as mayor of Sonoma and, and uh, one of our local uh, councilmen at different times. He also is the, the author of a, of a weekly column in the Sonoma Sun. Um, and so for those of you who have enjoyed listening to Larry and listening to, or that is reading Larry's column on a weekly basis or now and again, this is a really great opportunity to see Larry up close and also to, he, as communications director for Sambala International, he's he he has taken his mind to a place of organization that is uh, very much worth listening to. My my experience of listening of that is reading his writing, and so I myself intended to um, will intend to listen to what he has to say about creating an enlightened society, balancing masculine and female principles. Okay, so that's ton tonight at seven o'clock at the Sonoma Shambhala Center. And they are on West Napa Street, and here's our guest. Welcome to Health Matters. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, hi, it's um, Ben. Ben here. I've got a an interview. Um, yes, you do. Scheduled. And you're yeah, on, yeah. you're, you're, you're you on the air. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> we're, we're just just jumping right in here, Ben. Well, I just I just started our uh, announcement of you uh, coming to join us today, mentioning that that for my 
perspective, you've done such a fine job of, of going through what many of our listeners are, are starting to learn about, what's called functional medicine. And, uh, mm. and uh, I'm, I myself have been a practitioner of this craft uh, for, I, I'm an OMD in oriental medicine, and I've been a student of Jeff Bland's, and uh, so we have a lot that we know together in terms of mm. common thought. But I'm Look, I'm going to look to you to kind of carry the uh, intellectual ball here largely, but uh, maybe, Ben, we could start talking about what is a naturopathic doctor and kind of what's different about what you are as a doctor and what, the, what maybe your average MD is about. How, how are those, those schools different in an important way, in, in your opinion, and, and et cetera? Yeah, yeah. Um, firstly, it's you know it's a pleasure to be here. It sounds like we're kindred spirits, so I think this is going to be fun. And, sure. and uh, I do you know very familiar with the functional medicine movement and know Jeff uh, Bland, and um, you know really really admire how this is changing medicine. But mm-hmm. to get to your um, sort of question, like basically, you know, naturopathic medicine has a lot of commonalities with what you know this functional medicine movement, and and they've kind of co-evolved uh, together, mm-hmm. I guess, in a, in a way, but. Um, essentially, the, the core sort of difference between a, a conventional um, medical approach to, to managing illness and a more naturopathic approach is, is really, um, I guess it's manifold, but uh, essentially what a, our sort of mainstream medical culture has become very concerned with is like labeling illness with a diagnostic criteria, giving it a name, and then applying very quickly drug therapy or surgery. And this is an oversimplification, of course, but... Essentially, that's what our current medical model is uh, revolving around. And what naturopathic medicine does is that it's an interesting sort of uh, blend of traditional medical philosophies, sort of blended with modern medical science. But it takes a very different uh, approach to managing illness in that we would typically spend a lot more time with a patient listening to their story, also looking at what's going on in their body. And, And the reason we spend that time and do more... I guess, investigative or functional tests, so looking at how the body's functioning rather than looking for tests that give us a sort of a a criteria for prescribing a drug. We are looking for um, ways to help restore health to that person on a very individual perspective. Uh, So it's, I guess that's the core sort of difference. And, And then the things that we use as interventions are more, you know, based in lifestyle and diet and environmental change and psychosocial or sort of, you know, uh, mind-body interventions. So things, you know, that are more natural and are more in restoring health and harmony to that person and their environment are, are what we prioritize before going in with, with sort of uh, what we consider to be more um, uh, extreme interventions, you know, like mm-hmm. pharmacological therapy or surgery. Well, and of course, for many of our listeners, the the idea that that, that pharmacy is 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 an extreme intervention. I think that's kind of a breakthrough idea. I mean, it's that it, it, because I mean, after all, ever since many of us, uh, those of us over thirty or forty, um, w- w- you know, that was what we did. We went to the doctor and we had a, an antibiotic or we had something that was uh, of a chemical nature, usually, and and so that was regarded as actually a very highbrow kind of thing. It was regarded actually as very sophisticated even and so on. And yet what I think you and I share is the recognition that we've 
as a culture, we've we've the 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 the, the, the pages have turned, and, and we realized that 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 just as so many other chemicals that we've you know been bombarded with and so on, the use of pharmacy as as a healing agent, but is is not always the best idea, and uh, oftentimes it's not a good idea or the best idea, should we say? So so, but the the business of using sort of naturopathic means or herbal means or acupuncture means, these kinds of things, these still these ideas are still kind of wooey in the minds of many people, and yet I think you and I both know that, that rather profound healing is taking place using this, this, these technologies. And, and to come to your book, The Digestive Health Solution, uh, given that it's, at least it's my experience, that so many people, and, and as I've gone to medical lectures over the years and just been in practice for 30-some for years, the, the, the number of people who have digestive distress is phenomenal. And yeah. so that we have a huge job to do, you and I and all that are listening and all that we could never touch. We have a huge job of, of helping people do restorative health vis-a-vis the digestive process because, as you and I both know, that this is uh, a cornerstone uh, in, in, in the Chinese system. The, the, the stomach chi, the stomach energy is the, is, is the primary energy. If you, if you don't get the, that, that to work well, nothing else is going to work well. So talk about a little bit about your... your I guess you're from Australia, and yeah. and uh, yeah, talk Australian, a, but live in live in London. So. Uh, live in yeah. London. I see. So, yeah. talk a little bit about um, just briefly talk about your kind of your own background and how you kind of came to this work, and then let's get yeah. into the particulars of your book, shall we? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, so I I sort of uh, fell into this uh, field uh, out of personal experience. So mm-hmm. I became very interested in self-care and and uh, natural medicine because that's what got me out of an episode of chronic fatigue as a teenager and mm-hmm. I then um, a few years later after you know sort of leaving high school I went on to study uh, naturopathic medicine and from there I've my careers you know I've had a, a lot of clinical experience but also my careers largely revolved around research education and mm-hmm. and uh, that sort of field and um, yeah and the it's interesting the book came about um, in a, in a way, by chance. Uh, so an, I had an unfortunate uh, case of severe uh, traveler's uh, diarrhea uh, while traveling through North uh, Africa, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, ate some mm-hmm. bad food, got a really bad bug. One of the worst cases I've, you know, heard of. It's one of those horror story mm-hmm. uh, things. And and uh, to cut a long story short, I, I ended up developing post-infectious IBS. So for the, you know, for the listeners, that's essentially where you get a bug while traveling typically, and then what happens is is that even though the bug's kind of gone or resolved, uh, your gut is now in a, a sort of state of constant stress, and um, that can cause a whole host of other problems. So I started to experience, you know, anxiety and chronic fatigue again, and it's like, oh, man, this storm occurring. And basically, as I was... Um, uh, coming through the through that illness and researching, uh, you know, natural treatments and things, I, I sort of saw that there was a a, uh, a need for a, a good resource, um, you know, that brings together a lot of the new research and some of the old stuff that's brilliant too, and and um, you know, uh, acts as a nice resource for people. And and I was reading a lot more than just you know post-infectious IBS as well as you know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different causes that vary from person to person. So that's what the the book is more about is you know identifying the cause that's you know most important to the individual and and then sort of mapping out your road to recovery. Mm-hmm. So that's that's sort of where the book came out of is just uh, personal experience was the catalyst and then a you know essentially a motivation to help people is what drove 
you know, the writing process. Well, let's talk about the nine common medical myths about digestive illness. And, and, and yeah. I, th- I think that that gets an, it's a nice way to sort of step through a lot of sort of material quickly. So let's talk about the, the, the myth one. It's all in your head. Talk a little bit about that myth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so there is this, unfortunately, still, um, the way I, you know, so the book revolves around this thing we call IBS, right? So, so IBS is just a name uh, for, for digestive symptoms like bloating, gas, diarrhea, constipation, that sort of thing, discomfort. And um, basically the way IBS sort of works in our conventional medical system is that if you don't have something more serious like inflammatory bowel disease or a cancer or something like that, you get labeled with IBS and then kind of sent home is the is the sort of standard approach to, to you know, overgeneralize. And um, because it's sort of, you know, this uh, diagnosis by exclusion, what's often um, happens to people who suffer from, from this is they're left with no real solutions. And often they are told that it's, you know, don't worry about it, it'll settle down or, you know, because it's exacerbated by stress, they'll, you know, be told, oh, it's, you know, you know, it could be related to stress, you know, and that gives people this false idea that it's it's all in their head and it's just related to stress which is a historical sort of uh, relic from um you know the fact that ibs was once considered nervous colitis and right. you know, purely thought to be psychological so that you know um you know which really stigmatizes it for people um but the the truth of the matter is is that um in a sense it is in your head because your gut and your brain are intimately connected but that's not to say that it, you know, it's just stress and negative emotions or whatever it is that's causing the condition. It's often the, in fact, alarmingly the other way around, in that your digestive dysfunction is causing the stress and anxiety. And that's 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 a breakthrough idea for lots of people. I think that if they if people rec- recognize what you just said or discovered what you just said, and and were able to then embrace the principle of that, then some of the some of the uh, the stipulations, if you will, the challenges that that it takes to kind of overcome these things, instead of just becoming these, you know, o- overly onerous tasks, they could become, you know, truly, um, re- you know, perceived as, as restorative steps rather than just, you know, sort of dr- drudgery chores. Because I mean, when 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 I don't know in your experience, but my experience of when I have to tell my clients that this the process of, of the restorative digestive health is a, is a series of many steps and and it, it's a series of stepping away from some kinds of behavior it's a, it's a thing of of uh, you know making choices that are uh, advantageous and so on then, then that that involves a sort of sense of restriction and people feel well i you know, gee, that's that's you know that's i can just take tums and i can be just fine thank you very much and i'm saying well uh, <laughs> yes you'll be just fine but then you'll still be as troubled in your brain you'll still be as troubled in your yeah. skin condition you're still maybe, maybe your, your gut will stop yelling at you but it, 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 mm-hmm. it, the, the rest of the picture will be presenting itself so anyways you say that, that, that there is the, the, the gut brain connection and, and what our listeners may or may not know is that the number of really very fine texts uh, have, have talked about the you know the gut brain and how there's this, there's as much neurology in the gut as there is in the in the brain itself and so there, and there's a there's a whole conversation that's going on there and it's not all exactly as you say it's not only about stress but let's move on to the next uh, myth mm-hmm. there is no known cause that's a good one too <laughs> they, 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 when the, doc, the doctor says well, we don't know what's wrong with you so let's uh-huh. talk about that a little bit yeah yeah totally so. You know, as I've just said, um, you know, IBS, um, all these collective symptoms uh, are a diagnosis by exclusion. So they're, they're a symptom-based diagnosis. 
Um, and there's a few in- inherent problems with that is is because there are symptoms the condition is inherently categorized by symptoms, there's this idea, sort of prevailing idea, that actually there's nothing wrong in the gut itself. And right. if you're using more conventional medical tests, in fact, you'll find nothing. So if you do a colonoscopy or blood test, you won't find anything, right. generally speaking, in someone who's suffering from IBS. Uh, so it'll look like it's fine. Um, but the reality is is very different. And we know this from more I guess, um, sophisticated research. So it's not something you, your doctor will do, but, you know, there are scientists all around the world who have proven that your gut is a mess. You know, it's like, as you, as you said, it's sort of screaming out there. And we know that there are functional changes. There's inflammation. There's this thing we call leaky gut. And there's, you know, changes in your gut bacteria. So there's a lot going on there. And, um, and this, is, know, this, this is pretty yeah. break. This is still even, you know, 25 years later, this is still pretty breaking through stuff, yeah. you know, in terms of the business of actually assessing the gut bacteria and, and coming into terms and, and looking at inflammatory markers and things like this. So a lot of times the, the physicians, of the conventional physicians today are not looking for that. They're not looking for, mm-hmm. oftentimes, not, not looking for inflammatory markers. They're not making uh, um, assessments other than for Giardia, for instance, and something, you know, kind of a, right. a simple screen for, for, uh, for some general kind of parasites, tapeworms yeah. and the like. But the thing is, is that the, the – and, and I, I asked when I, I told our, spoke with our local uh, naturopathic doctor in town yesterday, and I just said, well, what, what do you think I should be talking about with this gentleman? And he said, well, you know, SIBO is what he said, and, and, and that was – and we'll talk about that in a minute about small, cool. uh, small intestinal bowel disorder and uh, so but anyway let's so then the next one the next myth is your symptoms will go away with time now of course you and I both know that isn't necessarily true so talk a little bit about that if you will yeah yeah so so again this sort of comes back from you know often people are told oh it'll settle down you know so you know for like my example you know traveling getting sick while overseas you know it's the standard course of action is if there's no serious parasite, it's like, you know, go home and, and let's hope it goes goes away. Right, <laughs> you know, right, it's, right. it's crazy. So, um, you know, it doesn't. And we know that, you know, you and I know that from clinical experience, but we also know that from good research as well. You know, sometimes people suffer for decades, uh, right, right. <laughs> you know, severe symptoms every day for decades. And they get know, used to it and they get used to it and they think, well, that's just uh-huh. me. They've identified yeah. it. They, they sort of, they sort of personalize it. Well, this is my tummy or my gut or something yeah. like that. So yeah. now the other one says probiotics supplements are, are useless. We hear that quite often. So yeah. blow, blow that myth away if you would. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So so probiotics are, are live bacteria uh, that are taken as a you know a supplement. Um, they have a really long history. You know, as you might you know you would know, they they date back over a hundred years of sort of clinical use, and um, they're incredibly well studied. And what we know is that some you know probiotics are remarkably effect- effective and. Um, you know, can, for some people, make all the difference in the world to their digestive symptoms. Mm-hmm. And essentially the way they work is by changing your gut bacteria and, and sort of other ways to, to improve your overall sort of digestive health and, and sometimes even the health of the rest of your body. Um, so, that's, so that's that story. And it really comes from the fact that we still, you know, see a lot of flack towards natural products, right. you know, in the media, uh, which is, you know, often ill-founded. You know, it might make a good headline, but it may not be based in fact. And I think listeners need to be, you know, savvy to that. Mm-hmm. Now, th- th- perhaps one of the one of the big, big, giant myths is diet has nothing to do with it. Uh-huh. Now, boy, is that a 
Bull, yeah. is that a, a lie of Bolarney? But but <laughs> talk talk about that a little bit because I think you and I both know that that yeah. I mean it, one of the first things you can you can do with somebody is is, is you see, when you question them you can and you can I mean I don't know about you but my experience is you can you can pinpoint three or four things. Mm-hmm. Right, almost right away, that you could make a good guess that that ch- the chances are pretty good that yeah. this this either this behavior, this 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 food that you're using, or this one that you're addicted to, or whatever it is, uh-huh. is a is a significant player at least. You know, if not necessarily the primary cause, it's certainly supportive of. And in 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 so talk in your own perspective about that, if you would. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, so it, it's it's a funny one because. Um, most people who have digestive symptoms will will link it to a food, and um, for a long time, the you know the sort of mainstream medical view has has not caught up with that obvious observation. Perhaps they're not asking people about it. I don't know, but um, that's changing. You know, so there's a tipping point occurring right now where food as a therapy for treating digestive illness is really mm-hmm. coming of age, and mm-hmm. it, it is becoming mainstream. And um, yeah, and basically, what we know is is that. Like you said, there are certain foods that are really common problems for people, and uh, they are easy to pick up because they're the things that people are eating every day, like three times a day, mm-hmm. or addicted to, or just common sensitivities or allergens like dairy products, wheat products, and uh, you know refined foods and sugars, you know things full of preservatives, that sort of thing, are just come up time and time again as being the the major offenders. And mm-hmm. we know that for some people, if you target the right food and uh, either remove that. Or, or change, clean their diet up, it can sometimes resolve their symptoms alone. You know, so it, it does have a really powerful effect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, for people, people buying into that and at least giving that that effort, put you know, putting in that that you know, being able to push push that thing away or push that thing out of their diet stream or or at least um, usually at my experience is that you if it's if it's really a significant offender it just has to be gone you know yeah. uh, but and of course people say well how about if i do less <laughs> that's the good yeah, one i typically yeah. hear how about if i just instead of having three cokes a day if i only have one uh-huh. well, <laughs> i'm sorry that's not usually going to be good enough but i want to listen give our listeners we only have a about ten more minutes with uh, with Ben. So, I, cool. listeners, anybody wants to call in, let's have has a digestive question. Please do it soon, or do it now because our, again, our call in number nine three three nine one three three area code seven zero seven. So, um, but I do want you to uh, uh, talk about then, like, like I said, our local guy uh, Mar- Marcus Prino and our local N- ND talked about. He thought that SIBO was one of the most important things that he thought that is the public should be aware of and should know something about. So, if you could give us sort of a synopsis of what what that is about. What's yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's it's really powerful stuff actually in terms of uh, changing the course of functional digestive problems. So these. You know the what really what we're talking about, and and where this all came from is it was um, shown a, a you know a few years back that uh, a, a significant percentage of people it sort of varies depending on which studies you're looking at, but maybe say you know on average around 40 to maybe up to 70 percent of people who have these sorts of symptoms also have this thing we call SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and the name says it all. Basically, in your digestive system, the majority of your gut bacteria are in what we call the large bowel or the colon. So that's where they all sit. You know, so they're all through your gut, but most of them are there by far. And uh, very few in what we call a small intestine. So that's a little bit further up. It's a bit closer to your stomach. 
And what's happening in small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is the bacteria that are on mass in your large bowel or colon have grown up into the lower section of your small intestine. Now, the problem that that causes is that these bacteria normally ferment fiber, which is great. It's a really healthy function of bacteria. But if they're doing that up in your small intestine, you'll get gas, pain, distension, the production of toxic products, and you'll get, um, you know, uh, constipation, diarrhea, you can even get like reflux type symptoms and even, you know, symptoms out in your body like fatigue and muscle pain and, and all sorts of things are related to this. And now some pioneering uh, investigators went, well, what, you know, what if we treat this bacterial overgrowth? And the first treatments that we used were uh, antibiotics. Uh, that target these uh, these bacteria, and they found that you can actually, uh, for a lot of people, eliminate their symptoms with a simple course of, of an antibiotic that just gets rid of this bacterial overgrowth. And that is really powerful knowledge because we've got something that we know is causing the problem and that we can treat and that can resolve symptoms. Um, so that's sort of interesting. And, and now if you get into natural approaches to treating that and sort of asking why it's there, that's where it gets... You know, I think much more interesting than, than uh, you know, just handing out pro, uh, antibiotics is um, a lot of uh, SIBO is to do with sort of diet and lifestyle. So it's, you know, related to like sluggish bowel, poor digestion, poor stomach acid, um, and an overall digestive function. It could also be related to diet, so lack of fiber, too much sugars. These sorts of things could be causing it. And it can also be treated naturally as well. So we've got great evidence now showing that antimicrobial herbs are as effective, actually slightly better than antibiotics, and don't have the side effects as well. So there's some good data published around that. Um, so that's the sort of short version of, of, uh, mm-hmm. of SIBO and what's going on there. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to, we, we won't have time to cover it in, in any thoroughgoing way, but your book is, is so comprehensive. And so many of the sort of general conditions that and, and general sort of functional bases for uh, digestive distress are covered in, in pretty good detail. And you, you, you give step-by-step means to address different parts of the of, of the process. So you, you can really use this book as a sort of a all-in-one kind of guide, really, for a very substantial rebooting of the digestive process. And you, you do talk, there's one part that, um, uh, let's see, I wanted to talk about, I've got to find the page here. And then toward the end, you talk about a called Five Steps to Great Gut Health. So if you could kind of give us a, a synopsis of that and then yeah, also yeah. tell us tell us what, what for timeforwellness.org has on the site. That's your w- w- website, timeforwellness.org. So first question is Five Steps to Great Gut Health. And talk, give us a synopsis of that. And then somewhere in the middle of or along with that, tell us what yeah. we can find at your at your website at timeforwellness.org. Awesome. Done. So, so um, the front end of the book gives you more personalized approaches and the point of the five-step approach is to really give you a simple, easy, actionable plan to get quick relief. So it's the first step is um, getting symptom relief using natural products like herbs and, you know, with, with good evidence there. And then the second step is really sorting out your gut bacteria and regaining that balance there. So you go into foods and natural approaches and including probiotics that you know, uh, can sort that out. And then the, um, the second, oh, sorry, the third is, I think, is to go on a, a, um, uh, a sort of food plan. So there's a really detailed uh, food plan that's both sort of takes into some account some of this newer research on 
certain, how certain carbohydrates and sugars can negatively affect your gut health. So you go into a bit of that, but it's also helps you identify food sensitivities as well. Mm-hmm. And and there's also some mind-body approaches in those steps as well. So there's uh, re- simple, quick relaxation techniques you can use to really calm down any anxiety, but also your gut nervous system as well and, and really improve symptoms. Uh, and then the final step is, you know, staying well for life. So there's some pointers on, on uh, maintaining digestive health into the future. Mm-hmm. So that's the, you know, the, the news to use stuff at the back of the book. And then the website, um, you know, uh, is essentially a blog. So I, uh, every uh, week, uh, typically, I have regular blogs that are really just talking about recent research in the area of natural health and natural medicine um, that I like sharing with people. Uh, so you can go on there, and there's you know Twitter, Facebook, a newsletter, that kind of thing. Great. Well, to yeah. Ben Ben Brown, the Digestive Health Solution. I'm going to keep this as a as a as a as a something to share with my clients. And I think you've done a fine job here. I thank you so much for taking some time for us today. Wow. Thanks so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. It okay. was great talking with you. Okay, Ben. Good day now. Thanks, mate. Bye. So I believe that is really, truly a fine book, and I've seen many, many books on this topic. And what I like about this book is so many things, that the print is large, the, the, the steps in it are practical, it's a very sound in terms of its thinking. It's, there's, there's sort of nothing wild here at all, for, at least in my experience. And yet at the same time, it's quite thorough in terms of the modern perspective on how to use natural means to provide substantial rehabilitation to the digestive process. So anybody that has any question about that particular situation, I suggest they look this book up, Benjamin Brown, N.D., The Digestive Health Solution. Here's our next guest. Welcome to Health Matters. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Hello. Is this Mary Rose Fondy? It is. Oh, Hi. Marie. How May I call you Marie? It's Marie Rose. Marie Rose. May I call you Marie Rose? Yes. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I meant to call you, but of course I couldn't get to it because I was playing doctor. But uh, as I told your publicist, but now we get to talk to uh, Marie Rose about this fascinating story called Talking Story, One Woman's Quest to Preserve Ancient Spiritual and Healing Traditions. That's a big order for, for a, a, a gal. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, sure. I mean, nothing, nothing, nothing you, you must have a, either a, a giant ego or you must have a tremendously hopeful heart or, or something because you've really taken on a, a, a giant task here, Marie Rose. So maybe if you could just sort of give us a synopsis of what the book is about and, and uh, maybe a little bit about the, the DVD and we can start to getting into the topic a little bit. Sure. Well, Ned, I, uh, you know, when I started doing research on um, traditional healing practices and um, spiritual traditions. I wanted to kind of go back and, and, and go to the root of the matter on some of these things. Um, and I discovered that, you know, a lot of these, these practices were disappearing. And so I kind of thought, well, what can I do about it? Um, I'm not an activist per se, um, but I understand how to make media and use media. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, I'll go out and just collect stories. Um, so in answer to your question, it's, it's really not so much that I single-handedly think I can do this, <laughs> um, but I definitely have a hopeful heart. Right. And, and, and really to inspire others to, to join me as well. I definitely, you know, this is something that is important to all of us as a collective. Um, so a lot of my message is about, you know, this isn't something that belongs to the exotic other. 
but rather it's something that is part of humanity's medicine cabinet, and that's why it's important, you know, and that's why I feel um, I wanted to share stories of uh, healers and teachers as my way of preserving um, and what I could. Right, and and of course you you have a legitimacy in your family heritage. Tell us our listeners a little bit about that, if you would. Oh yes, yeah. so my great grandfather was they call him a seer, which means that he is able to um, see the past and the future, someone's history, and and maybe give them some guiding um, advice or information. And then I have an aunt in my family that uh, was a spiritual healer, um, and she did that through trance channeling. And then my mother. Um, was a registered nurse, and my brother is actually a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we come from a, a healing heritage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and and the as a as a Vietnamese, um, for many of our very very old health matters listeners. We once had a uh, the book it was called Fourth Uncle in the Mountain. I'm not sure you even are aware of that book. I, yeah, I love that book. I love that book. Well, we had the author uh, of that book, the English author, that in, the English speaking author, and then I was so enchanted with that book, I actually went to New England and spent some time with the the book, the, the gentleman who about which the book was written. Oh, wonderful! And uh, because I was so f- intrigued with what this gentleman had wrote about, written, written about, mm-hmm. so uh, anyway, Fourth Uncle in the Mountain was was an incredible story, and and yours is is has a lot more sort of gallivanting about the world, yeah. but at the same time, it has many many th- many many common features to that to the to at least the principles of that other other story. But let's let's talk a little bit about kind of the different sort of steps of your of journey with regard because then first we'll talk about talking storage so our listeners can know what the title means let's let's do that and then let's let's start walking through some of the steps that you took on this journey and some of the things that you like to talk about when you talk about this the, you know what you've discovered in this, this really rather re- remarkable journey thank you well um you know it's funny i, I in looking back on it that i realized that i actually did follow a heroine's journey or a hero's journey as, as it was spelled out by Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. I didn't intentionally to do that. I basically just followed and went along with my life and, and you know, um, followed the call to adventure, um, you know, was tested, met mentors, and then came back with the elixir. And I feel that the elixir is this work of, of sharing stories and talking story. Um, and so in Hawaii, where I now live, the tradition of, of talking story is really about deep sharing and an intimate connection. And so um, I realized that in order for me to share the stories of the people I met with your listeners, with people who've seen the film or are going to see it, and with readers, is to learn how to talk story. Um, and and so that's, that's why I named the book that, because I realized I was talking story with all the healers and the teachers, and now I'm doing that um, with the general public. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I like I like what Andrew Harvey says, and it's quoted in the, nothing is more important for human survival than the preservation of shamanic wisdom and 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 our turning to it for a radical healing and radical inspiration. This brave and brilliantly written and exhilarating book by a gifted spiritual pioneer will show you why. So that that kind of that's an honorific in your direction, uh, yeah. but at the same time, it it really does kind of touch on what you just said. It t- it touches on the 
the the urgency that you experience that you feel that then you and that you present in you in this book for uh uh, and, and as he says, nothing is more important for human survival. So talk about that part of it. How, how do you perceive that truth to be? I feel that um, now more than ever, we are in need of these ancient teachings. Not, you know, what, what I found is the, they're not these um, antiquated kind of romanticized ideas, but that actually a lot of these old teachings were preparing us for the times that we're facing today. Mm. And that's why it's relevant, because, you know, the, the, the dark times, the challenging times, the diseases that we're going to face, they're all listed in texts and in teachings from the past. And so that tells me that these things were seeds that were planted in the past to prepare us for now. And so the preservation isn't about keeping something old and storing it in a museum and admiring admiring it, but really bringing it into today and applying it, you know, mm-hmm. and even, even with um, your host, Dr. Ben Brown, uh, you're a guest prior to me, the idea of digestive disorders is, of course, very key in traditional Chinese medicine. Right. You know, and the fact that it's a little bit of news to Western medicine now is kind of, it's good news, right? But the fact is that the, this ancient tradition of medicine kept this in mind and knew it was going to get worse for us as our world was going to change and that mm-hmm. we would be losing some of the, 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 the peace that, that we need to have a healthy digestive system um, and that we would have more toxins in the air than when these things were developed. So, so that's kind of something that I, too, at first thought, wow, you know, it's important for us to save this um, just because they're precious and, you know, they, they're, they're beautiful representations of another time. And right. it's true that they are. But even more importantly for us, if we think selfishly, they actually have keys to well-being and health for us today with things that people didn't have to face in the old days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that is funny to hear you say that's what you just did, because I remember in 1968 when I first started reading about Chinese medicine, and that time I was deeply involved in um, a kind of uh, psychophysical therapy, it was called at the time, and I remember reading the Chinese description of health and wellness, and I thought, my goodness, if this actually has something, if this is not just poetry, if this actually has, you know, some real legs, if you will, some real clinical legs, this is something that our culture just desperately needs. Yeah. And so what you just said really was the same kind of real, realization. In, in, in my case, it was a hopeful one in 1968, but, but it's, of course, it's come to pass, and, and it's, it's proven itself in, in my own life and so on. But it's, and, and you say also here, you learn that we are indeed the danger of losing large chapters of our collective physical and spiritual pharmacopoeia, mm-hmm. but, and, but it, it is, it's possible to transform ancient practices into applications for the modern world. That's what I so love about your, your text is because you, you keep doing what you just did for us. You, 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 you say, yes, there is the ancient, and, and I just use the word poetic wisdom and so on, and we can, we can like love it and see it in its, in its, in its you know, preserved state, if you will. But you're saying this is very much all, you say over and over again, this is alive for us today. This is meaningful us to, meaningful for us today, clinically as well as psychologically and spiritually. So maybe you could start with, by telling our listeners some about the your meetings that you've had with the various 
uh, teachers that you thought were we, we should talk about and, and kind of how meeting them and what meeting them did to you in terms of broadening your perspective of what, of what we've just talked about? Yes, well, I, uh, I know that one of the important teachers I had was uh, uh, someone that called himself a retired shaman in Peru, mm. uh, Don Pablo Amaringo. Right. And, you know, he, he, was a, he called himself a vegetalista, which means that he was working with plant medicine to heal people one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And by the time that I met him, he said, oh, I'm retired from that work. Now I'm just teaching uh, children how to paint the rainforest. And um, I realized as I, I got to know him and, and observe him, he actually was teaching these children, one, pride in their own culture as it would be, you know, as it would be disappearing and also denigrated in many ways. Um, secondly, he would walk them through the rainforest so that they would understand the medicinal value of the plants as well as the spiritual value. And then thirdly, he was giving them a chance to earn an income, you know, wow. uh, and so that they could sell their paintings. Um, and then he also said as he watched the children paint, he also could understand what's happening in their psyches because they were under a lot of duress as their um, traditions and their culture was in transition. And so, you know, the, the greatest thing that he taught me was that you may not be able to stop these plants from disappearing. You may not be able to stop the rainforest from being destroyed, but you can preserve it through art. Mm. That if you look at this painting, this plant right here, it's good for the heart. Mm. And everyone who looks at this painting can get healing for the heart. Wow. And it was such a profound message for me in terms of my work as a filmmaker and a writer that maybe I can't go out there and uh, stop the bulldozers or the fires, but I can capture stories, transmissions, and healing energy, and then share them through the art of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the things that mm-hmm. was very much um, gave me more clarity on what my work is in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also uh, was able to meet uh, a Tibetan Buddhist um, teacher who is trained in the mystical arts as well as the healing arts. And his greatest message to me is, you know, we really need to learn how to embrace the spiritual realm and the material realm, not as a dualistic paradigm, but as an integrated way of being. And that the dark times are here, if not, you know, they're coming, if not here already. And if people don't get this, it's going to be very hard for them to maintain a sense of sanctuary, a sense of paradise, because you have to have it inside first mm. for it to manifest externally. Mm. Um, so there's just a couple, I mean, I, met, I was so blessed that, to meet so many wonderful healers mm-hmm. and, um, and to be able to speak with you here. I know you're doing healing work as well mm. uh, and sharing the information through media. So, you know, it, it seems that we're all being called to not only practice medicine, but talk about it and, you know, share the information and the wisdom so that people understand they have choice. Mm-hmm. Well, we sh- our listeners should know that you'll be at, at Copperfields in Sebastopol, which is at, with the day after tomorrow, actually. Yes. And then you'll be at Book Passage in Corte Madera on the 14th, yes. talking about your book, Talking Story, One Woman's Quest to Preserve Ancient Spiritual and Healing Traditions. It's such a, such a uh, the title is such a... Uh, 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 such a hopeful uh, kind of... Uh, group of words, if you will. I mean, the idea of of preserving ancient spiritual and healing traditions. It's it's 
and, and the thing is, is that as you read what you write, you can you you can get the feeling that this is not just a hopeless idea, that this is actually something that's not only worth doing, but it's the thing that that and it's not only a, like a sort of a a, a one-off trip through the through the wildness and and then you could come back and just be ordinary. Uh, this is this is actually kind of transformed you. So talk about your work in Hawaii today in terms of now you're on a book tour and so on like that. But and we probably should mention also that your talking story actually also has a DVD. And we can talk a little bit about that as well because sure. there's lots of pictures and it's quite a quite a fun uh, 80, I think, 80 some minute DVD, which is quite uh, revealing in terms of what you've done. But um, talk about your work currently, with, with, the ex- with the exception of, like I say, the the book tour of the moment. Right. How do you perceive yourself going forward from this this wonderful uh, compilation of the con- compilation that you've done? What what's what what's your next step here? With well, what's beautiful is when I return from my journey, Ned. Um, I actually did. Uh, have a healing practice mm-hmm. for a while, working with people one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, I was still working on my film and working on my book. Um, but when I completed the film um, and the book, I realized that I need to be able to apply these things um, in a greater scale. Mm-hmm. So I moved from working one-on-one to working one-to-many, mm-hmm. and I'm doing that through the media, of course, but also um, I'm also the, the chief operating officer of a visual media company, oh. and um, I've worked very hard to practice the things, the values, the teachings that I've been given um, in, a, in a professional setting, hmm. and so, you know, we, we, we really work to create a whole being leadership um, we work to think about community. Uh, one of the things that we talk about a lot is uh, that I learned in terms of indigenous values is, you know, if everyone put everyone first, no one would be last. Mm-hmm. And if you manage that way, and if you create projects that way, nobody's worried about, oh, I need to get credit, or am I going to be seen, or is someone else going to, um, or I'm, am I going to do all the work and, and, and end up holding the bag? But when we live with this philosophy, you know, we end up having a very happy team and very happy clients and therefore a successful business. Mm-hmm. So it's been wonderful to be able to apply that in terms of a group um, that is also part of a business. Mm-hmm. And then in my everyday life, you know, um, I, it's funny because I, I've had a lot of challenges uh, traveling here the last few days. My computer completely crashed. Um, mm-hmm. I had a leak in the water main of my home. Mm-hmm. Um, and just these kind of things that everyone gets challenged with. And, you know, it, it, when I went on this journey and met these wonderful people, I didn't become... Um, it's not that I was spared, you know, the spiritual journey isn't about, oh, you're going to be spared this kind of human suffering or human challenges. You're just given better, you know, tools to be able to deal with it. With uh-huh. <laughs> so that's a, probably probably always a good idea to bring that up. This is this is this is not getting out of the the, the, the you know sick, sickness, old age, and death. You know, this is uh, <laughs> we, we still have to be here on Earth. Is to chop yeah. wood and carry water. Exactly, and and sometimes it is hard. Sometimes it, that that you know that water feels very very heavy. And so you know, how do we move through that with grace and and learn from the suffering if we need to suffer, or can we have pain without suffering? So these are the kind of the things that we think about in our day-to-day lives that, that I've been given and that, you know, when I get crazy or I get angry or frustrated, 
um, or I get triggered into a trauma pattern. I now have tools that I can use. Sometimes I use them more gracefully than others. No. <laughs> um, but for me, the, the message is, you know, it's all about practicing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's not about perfection. And, in fact, you know, that people say practice makes perfect. I, but I try to say practice is perfection. Mm. So if we can do that, then, you know, we can just maybe, maybe reach our potential. Mm. So you're saying that you as a sort of a consultant? Is that how you say you're functioning? In other words, people hire you and your company as a, as kind of a group process leader kind of thing and you, that you help their company or their group of people uh, well, improve, improve something in their process? Or is that what you just said? I, I'm not sure I quite understood. Yeah, no, actually what I decided to do is just try it with one company. Oh, I and see. this company is a visual media company. And can we prove that we can be financially successful, mm-hmm. joyfully successful, healthfully successful, and um, have all that in our formula of success? Mm. Um, and I'm really proud to say that, that we're actually proving that to be true, that the things that I've been taught I know helped me as an individual, mm. and I know have helped a lot of my clients as individuals. And the next thing was, can they help a group that is part of a business, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and can it help our clients and our clients' clients? So, you know, and even one of the principles I've been taught is, you know, in the old days it was win-lose, and then mm-hmm. it was win-win, and then I was taught if you can have three or more wins, because that's going to be a more stable energy form, mm-hmm. then then that's what you should be doing. And so we practice that at work as well. Can we win? Can our client win? Can our clients' clients win? Mm. Can our families win mm-hmm. from these actions and these choices that we're making? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been a very joyful experience for me too, um, to to be to be able to come back from this journey and help individuals, help myself, and then find out that I can actually help a business that, as if it were a being in and of itself. Hmm. How not how how novel an idea is, and of course, obviously. It, not obviously, but I mean, it's it's also it's true that a a collection of people has a has a personality has a, yeah. you know, as we come together we we join together and we we create a being and that being can be influenced and so to yeah. under to understand that and and respect it as a spiritual matter not only as a sort of a functional association or a monetary association but to see it in the way you're talking about it is as I understand it anyway it, it, it in the, the idea that it can be led and and nurtured and supported in a spiritual realm as, as well is 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 still kind of a radical idea and yet it's the, it's interestingly enough the you know many of the 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 business uh, t- uh, process teachers sort of they they chime that one over and over in their own way they talk about how pretty much if we don't have a happy workplace we're just not going to have a very good product basically mm-hmm. so so on and so forth so anyway um t- tell us a little bit about your website should our listeners be able to go there and what will they find there oh, thank you yes my website is talkingstorybook.com mm-hmm. and so they can learn a little bit more about my book about the film um, all my social media contact information is there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Follow us on Facebook mm-hmm. or Twitter. And my events are listed as well. If anybody is uh, near the areas mm-hmm. where I'll be speaking, I would love to talk story with, with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also options about how to uh, purchase the book and DVD. Right. Um, you know, we know it can be purchased online, but I very much want to support um, the local independent bookstores, specifically the ones that are hosting me, because... 
Sure. They're the ones that are allowing us this venue and arena to mm-hmm. talk story and to share deeply in person. So, well, yeah. you're, well, you're here. You're here in the Bay Area, like I say, to, uh, day after tomorrow, in Sebastopol, and then uh, the next week. Are you in? Are you doing anything between the seventh and the fourteenth locally, besides what I have here written in front of me? Yeah, actually, uh, I'm going to be in Oakland at, at the Diesel Bookstore on the twelfth. Okay. Um, and then, as you mentioned, on the fourteenth at Book Passage. Um, and also at East West Book uh, down south in Mountain View. Oh, wonderful. East West Book on the 18th. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that information is on my website as well because it sure is a lot to keep track of. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. it sounds like uh, the people can come and, and really get a story. So when you do your presentation, do you do it with pictures or do you do it only with your voice? Oh, actually, I am going to uh, show a small clip from the film. Mm-hmm. Good. And then I will be reading from the book. And as well, uh, showing some of the beautiful photo images that were taken by my two photographers, mm-hmm. uh, Thomas L. Kelly and Cora E. Edmonds. Um, so it'll be a, a visual listening mm-hmm. kind of multimedia experience. Wonderful. Well, the pictures are lovely in the book, and the Thank DVD you. was very much uh, appreciated by me. And uh, Marie Rose Van Lee, it's been a pleasure to have you on Health Matters. I wish you very well with this book, and I'm hoping that, that the teaching that you carry extends to many in, in a very positive way. So thanks for taking some time for us today. Thank you so much for having me, Ned. Okay. Good day now. Good day. All right. So, uh, quite an interesting uh, book and story, and it is... Um, quite a lot of information that she has and she goes through it rather quickly in the book or that is, in the, in, I meant to say in the DVD the book is, is deeper and more um, more detailed and I didn't get a chance really to give the book the attention that it really deserved but uh, the DVD is a lot of fun to, to look at for healing traditions all over different places in the world and if you cannot pacify your spirit and you let your mind be complicated with desires and worries, your disease will not be cured. To be healthy, you must avoid anger and worry, but keep your mind happy, your heart at ease, and your di- desires at low levels. That's the basic guidance of the Yellow Emperor's Classic of Internal Medicine, the basic book of Chinese medicine. Our Health Matters motto still is, health care isn't a noun, it's a verb. Tune us in again next week. And I want to remind you that next week, speaking of that, our... Our Dreamweavers project with uh, Teresa Rousseau will be on for next week. So tune in for that. And then the week after that, I will rejoin you. So until then, I bid you well.